0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for what's January 3rd, 2018. Impressively, I've not messed up the date yet this year. Uh, Matt, I think you've already typed the date in front of the podcast, 2017. But I remember that being like the biggest hang-up in elementary school. And you need to write the date at the top of all your papers. And whenever it was the new year, I would always write the, the wrong year at the top. But I think that now I'm old enough, I've adjusted to New Year's happening. So, big advancement for me in my life. Uh, but big basketball slate, 12 games. So I bring this up whenever there's a big slate. Is don't go digging for value plays or so, or look for like fringe type guys. Like oh, maybe this guy plays, maybe this guy doesn't play. I think it's pretty easy to just target guys who we know we're going to play a lot of minutes, are going to be on the court, that we know are going to be good values, because there's going to be a lot of good value plays that pop up on a 12 game slate. You don't have to go digging for plays. They're going to be, they're going to be there. Nobody's going to be that highly owned because there's so many choices to pick from. So first game on the slate is the Knicks at the Wizards. And kind of right off the bat, I think this is not really a great game from the Knicks side. The Wizards are one of the better defensive teams in the league with John Wall there. Knicks are also playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. So if you want to use somebody, Porzingis is a little bit cheap and there's upside there, but still blowout risk. I don't really think there's need for too much Knicks exposure here. And then from the Wizards side of the game, one thing to note about the Wizards players is everybody is better. uh, Well, I wouldn't say everybody, but John Wall, uh, I think Martine Gortat and Bradley Bill all have really significant home road splits throughout their career. And then the other guys are kind of more neutral-ish, but John Wall has always been significantly better at home versus on the road. Even his field goal percentage for his entire career is a few points higher at home. So I think him at 8,700, I think that he is the strongest play for the Wizards. And then Otto Porter also in play at 6,600 with John Wall still being the best overall play. Uh, Otto Porter has had a few really big games recently. Uh, he's been over 30 fantasy points in three of his last four games. He's had a number of 50-plus fantasy point games this year. And then he was as expensive as 73 or 7200 earlier in the year. So still in a plus matchup for him. I think 6600 is just a bit too cheap.
1: Yeah, I think Porter's a fine play. Definitely agree with you that Wall is the strongest play. Uh, you could probably game stack here because the players... I think are priced down a little bit from the Knicks for being a second game of a back-to-back and then a little bit of blowout risk. So if you're playing for the game to be close, then there is some value there. But like you said, it's a 12-game slate, and there's not much reason to reach for value. So I think Wall is the guy I would use the most of, maybe some porter, but I don't really like too much else from this game at all. I think definitely fading the Knicks side makes sense. And then, I don't know, Bradley Beal, since Wall came back, his usage is it's definitely going to be lower. So there's... There's really not much else to like from the Wizards and really not much from this game overall.
0: So the next game on the slate is the Houston Rockets to the Orlando Magic. Over the last uh, probably like month and a half now, Orlando's been one of the most friendly teams to play against in DFS. They are playing at the, what is it, the seventh fastest pace in the league, and their defensive efficiency has dropped all the way to 26th in the league. And one of the reasons that 26 is really significant is they were a top 10 defensive team for the first month or so of the season. So they've just been really shitty over the last month. So really favorable spot for Houston. In addition, James Harden is out for probably about a month or so with a partial tear in his hamstring. So Chris Paul, you might look at 9600 and say, well, that's really expensive for Paul. I don't think that's the case. I think that he's going to be well over 10000 at some point during Harden's absence. And I think Eric Gordon's a really strong play at 6800 uh, who else? I think Ariza at 5900 is a fine play. And then well, Gerald Green, I thought he could be mid price, but he's all the way at 4100 I really think the preferred plays here are Eric Gordon, Chris Paul, and Trevor Ariza. From the Orlando side of the game, what are the prices on these guys? Nikola Vucevic is still out. He's going to be out for a while with the broken hand. So that opens up some extra minutes for Biombo, who's been starting. 5600 I think that's a usable price for him. Uh, I think Fournier at 6,000 is fine. I'll stay away from Peyton being guarded by Chris Paul. And then I think Jonathan Simmons at 5,500. He's in play. He's been playing yeah, over 30 minutes pretty consistently. Uh, 30 minutes last game was 35 and 37 the two games before that. This is also another game that's pretty stackable. This should be really high scoring.
1: Well, we haven't gotten to most of the games yet, but I, I think I'll already say that Chris Paul is my favorite player on the entire slate. And it just makes sense that when either part uh, Paul or Harden is out, the other guy is going to have their the ball in their hands a lot more. And it doesn't seem like the pricing has adjusted for that yet. So Paul is way undervalued. Eric Gordon obviously gets a bigger role too. He should be starting or at the very least uh, playing more minutes and having more usage with it's really whenever either Harden or Paul is out. Um, so both of those guys for sure. I think P.J. Tucker is probably usable in addition to Trevor Ariza, especially if you're game stacking. And then uh, I think Jonathan Simmons, you did mention him along with the other Orlando guys, but his price has gone way down. He was up to 7000 just a few games ago, and he just hasn't really played well in, let's call it, his last four games. His field goal shooting has just been pretty bad. So there's a lot of recency bias in that price at 5500 when he was 7100 just a few games ago. And I know that Fournier was out for that part of the season when Simmons was in the high sixes and low sevens. So he should be a little bit worse, but I think the value at 5500 is really strong, even compared to the other Magic players.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely good with Simmons. One of the reasons for the price to go down is just because uh, Evan is back and he was out them, but there's still a lot of upside in Simmons. I like him as a play. Uh, next game on the slate is the Spurs at the Sixers. For the Spurs, I'm going to assume that Kawhi Leonard doesn't play in this game. They haven't let him play in a back-to-back yet. He just played a season high, I think it was almost 32 minutes against the Knicks, and looked really good. That was definitely going to be the floor price for Kawhi Leonard. He's never going to be in the 6,000 range ever again. Uh, and then we have Pau Gasol is questionable. Tony Parker is questionable. Manu Ginobili, all questionable. There's a lot of guys who the Spurs could, could rest in this game, so kind of have to look to see what their starting lineup is going to be. And then another thing also is Joel Embiid is doubtful to play tomorrow, so assuming that he doesn't play, it's a pretty weak Sixers defense that the Spurs are going to go against. So it's a pretty favorable matchup for them. From the Sixers' side of the game, uh, with Embiid out, let's see, what is the price on Rashawn Holmes at 4800 There's upside in Holmes at 4,800. The issue is how many minutes is he going to play because he gets into foul trouble a lot. And we also have uh, Trevor Booker there. Amir Johnson usually starts anyway. So Holmes, I think, at 4,800 is just a GPP play uh, because, well, one, he could end up starting. But then even if he comes off the bench and stays out of foul trouble, then we could see 30-plus minutes for him and he's just too cheap at 4,800. And then Robert Covington, I think, is fine as a GPP play at 5,700, fine for cash. Also a lot more usage for him with, uh, with Embiid off the floor. And then the other one is Dario Sarch at 6,800. He's been a lot better recently. He's been, even with Embiid playing, let's see, what have his recent games been? He's been yeah, like averaging around 35 or so minutes per game, and he's actually scored over 40 fantasy points in three consecutive games. So Sarge benefits a lot. Ben Simmons earlier in the year had been playing really well, and I'm starting to question maybe the league has figured him out a little bit to an extent just because he's his game's a little limited in terms of that he has no jump shot. He can't make any shots outside the paint. And he's struggled a little bit over the last month, month and a half, and I think it's just teams have kind of seen him a little bit and they're starting to say, like, okay, we can game plan for him a little bit. So I think Simmons at 8,800 in a game against the Spurs, that's just a fade for me even without impede.
1: Yeah, I think Simmons is a fade too. But overall, this is a really stackable game. So I might be inclined to throw Simmons in a few of those because if the Spurs guys are resting, there's obviously a ton of value already. But then also Danny Green got injured tonight. So that's another guy who could potentially out. And then maybe guys like David Davis Bertans or Dehante Murray. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, if he's playing and Leonard's not, I think would be a really strong play. And especially if Gasol doesn't play too. If Aldridge is the only guy there of the usual starters, then I think you can play Aldridge with Patty Mills and Bertans and maybe Murray. I think the, all of those guys will get a lot of minutes, but we'll we'll definitely have to just see who the stir, the Spurs decide to start because there is a lot that's currently unclear there. Um, fortunately, this is fairly early in the slate. No, actually, it's it's the first start time. The Spurs are playing at seven o'clock, so that's a it's an ideal situation. We will actually know who's starting for the Spurs before lock. Um, that makes this a, a lot easier, and you could probably use an entire lineup, I mean, as much as DraftKings will allow you to, uh, of just players from this game, because with Embiid out, it's a higher pace game. The Sixers have some value plays, uh, Holmes, like you said. Um, but it is probably not the best spot for Simmons. It kind of just is hard to use Simmons in general. Um, so even if you are game stacking, I still think you're better off using Chris Paul than Ben Simmons in a game stack that doesn't include the Rockets because Chris Paul is just so much better of a value than Ben Simmons is.
0: Yeah, I mean, the other issue is also is just what I said about Simmons' recent play. So Simmons is all the way at 8,800. Even without Kawhi Leonard, it's still tough to play the Spurs because they play good team defense. It's a really paced down game. Simmons has scored under 35 fantasy points in, I think, it's six of his last seven games. So I just think the price is too high, especially in this matchup.
1: Yeah, and then with a guy who costs a similar amount like Chris Paul being there also, I mean, there's just no reason to reach for Ben Simmons. But I do think there is something to what you're saying that the league has figured him out a bit because he is kind of one-dimensional. He gets a lot of different fantasy stats, but his game is kind of just distributing. He doesn't have much shooting or really any shooting. So it, it would make sense that the league would figure him out a little bit because he is kind of gimmicky.
0: All right, next game, we have the Timberwolves at the Nets. From the Timberwolves' side of the game, I mean, it's we know the starters are going to play a lot of minutes, so Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, I think that they are the plays here. Tyus Jones at 5,400 It's for me, just a little bit too expensive. From the Nets' side of the game, there could be some value because Karis Levert is uh, doubtful to play. Damari Carroll is questionable to play. So there could be some value on the Nets' wing, the Timberwolves are also not a particularly good defensive team. So I think that Spencer Dinwiddie, he's had a couple of rough games recently, but part of it's just because his uh, his minutes are down a little bit because Karis LeVert's been playing a lot of the point guard minutes over Dinwiddie, especially late in games. So Dinwiddie's minutes, let's see, what have they been over the last few games? He played, you know, like earlier in the year he was playing around 35 minutes, and now he's kind of in like the mid to high 20 range. But without LeVert, I think the minutes should go back up. And then we have Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. He's been solid at 6,500. Alan Crabb and Joe Harris, I think they both stand to gain a lot if Damari Carroll's out, especially with the are already out. The big issue with targeting Nets players usually is just the minutes get spread really thin. But with some of these guys getting ruled out, I I think that we could look at whatever cheap guy starts in their place. And Joe Harris at 3,900. If I remember correctly, there were some games where he was playing like 35 minutes earlier in the year when he was starting. So we could see that from him tomorrow, and I think he'd be a good value play if he's starting.
1: Yeah, that's true on Joe Harris. He actually, for whatever reason, has been the Nets guy who gets the most reliable minutes, at least when some guys are out. Um, Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson probably is the best minute security on the team, but Joe Harris does have a lot if uh, if the lineup isn't at full strength. And it does seem like, well, Levert probably will be out, and then Carroll could be out too. So I like Crab and Joe Harris, but I think Hollis-Jefferson should be more involved and maybe have an uptick in minutes also. Uh, this is a pretty good situation for the Nets. And then uh, I'll just comment on the one player you mentioned for Minnesota. Tyus Jones is probably too boom bust, I think, to use for a slate this big because he's really reliant on defensive stats. He basically gets all of his value from steals. So for GPPs, I mean, he's he does have upside, but there's a lot of downside there too. So I don't know. Do you think that that's fair with guys who just rely on defense that much for their fantasy production?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he's on the court a lot, and he gets a lot of steals, so he'll get some points and assists, too. Just the bigger issue I have with him is that he, he's not going to put a lot of shots up in the offense. It's going to be a lot of Carl Anthony Towns. It's going to be a lot of Jimmy Butler. So I thought I thought Tyus Jones made a lot of sense to the play, obviously, when he was like 3,400 starting a point guard. But now just up to 5,400, I just kind of think it's a fair price.
1: Yeah, that, that does make sense, and there's just not a lot of need to reach here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with not rostering Tyus Jones.
0: All right, next game on the slate is the Detroit Pistons at the Miami Heat. This should be one of the slower-paced games on the slate. Uh, from the Pistons, everybody looks to be pretty fairly priced to me. Ishmith's price has gone up since he's been in the uh, starting lineup. So in a down-paced game, I'm fine with avoiding him in this one. From the Heat side of the game, I think Goran Dragic finally had a really big game last time out. It was finally a game where... There wasn't a blowout, and he played decently in a good matchup. He scored 48 fantasy points. Even in a down-paced game, I think 6,100 is probably a bit too cheap for him. And the other one, Hassan Whiteside played 29 minutes last game. So I think kind of like how we liked Kawhi Leonard tonight is this is not quite as extreme an example. It's, we have somebody who's cheap coming off an injury with the minutes trending up. So if we think that we're going to be getting Hassan Whiteside at close to regular minutes, which I think is pretty likely because he played 20 minutes two games ago, 28 minutes last game. So we we'll probably see him at 30 or so minutes this game, especially to match up against Andre Drummond. I think 6,600 for him is too cheap because Whiteside is really a 9,000 player. So I, I think that even in a slow-paced kind of tough matchup, it's just too cheap of a price. So he's a really strong
1: play. Yeah, and the Heat play at a pretty slow pace anyway, so seeing a total for them at 196, that's not actually that much lower than their normal totals. Maybe there's a few possessions less in this game, but part of the reason that it's a slow-paced game is because Miami is a slow team too. It's not just Detroit. Um, So Whiteside, even when he does produce, it usually is in slow games. So I'm, I'm not that concerned with the matchup. I would be concerned a little bit about a minutes restriction, but... He's so much cheaper than what his peak price is, so even if he only plays 25 minutes, he's not going to kill your lineup. And if he gets 35 minutes, if the restriction is just not there, then that could be the best value of any player. I mean, maybe he even has more upside for his price than Chris Paul. Uh, So, yeah, I agree with you on Whiteside. I think Drogic is fine, but if I had to pick between the two of them, Whiteside is the better play.
0: Yeah, I definitely... uh, I I like both of them, but, yeah, I agree with you for the price. Whiteside, just because... I mean, Drogic, it is... At his peak is probably going to be like mid seven thousand player, where Whiteside is somewhere in the nine thousand. So, I like Whiteside a lot here. Next game on the slate is the Cleveland Cavaliers at the Boston Celtics. Isaiah Thomas made his first, uh, played his first game of the season, coming back from the hip injury. He played pretty well today, but they are going to be resting him tomorrow for the tail end of the back to back. I think LeBron's price has come down a little bit eleven thousand three hundred. I think that he is a fine guy to pay up for. Uh, we faded him tonight, and that worked out. But it, it was a little bit lucky just because the reason he didn't value was only because it was a blow, and he came with five minutes left. But whatever it worked out, I'm not going to I'm not gonna give back the points anywhere. <laughs> From the Celtics side of the game, uh, it's just tough. Like I, I never really think that anybody on the Celtics, unless there's injuries, is a really strong play, just because the minutes in production tends to be really spread out. So even in a plus matchup against the Cavs, Uh, I would say maybe Al Horford's my favorite play at 7,100. But even Kyrie, I think people look at, oh, revenge game against the Cavs. 8,500 for him. He just hasn't had that many big games this year. So I I just think that there's not a ton of upside in that price. I'm going to look through his game log really quickly. He's had 350 fantasy point games the entire season. So it's another one of those situations where, uh, okay, that's probably his upside. Not using him really isn't going to kill you.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely with you on Kyrie because there's no reason. Well, I, I can't see myself ever rostering a player just because it's a revenge game. There needs to be some value in the price tag also, I think, for it to make sense. And there's not a lot of value there on Kyrie. He just he hasn't been one of the better players in the league for his price this year. He kind of just has been terrible for his price. Um, if you're going to roster someone from Boston, I think it is Jalen Brown or Al Horford or one of the other guys. Um, but I don't really like LeBron much either. I think he's a fine guy to pay up for, but I do think there are other expensive players that we haven't mentioned yet that make more sense. And I think there also aren't any really cheap value plays yet, so it could just be a lot of balanced lineup construction, although the Spurs situation could certainly change that. So if the Spurs are playing a lot of mid-price guys that are value plays, I think you can use maybe two really expensive guys to pay up for, and then LeBron comes into play more. But if there aren't really that many cheap guys, I think LeBron doesn't make the cut as one of the best the best expensive guys. Uh, but I think he is kind of fairly priced. So I, I wouldn't call it a bad play, but I, I think there are better choices.
0: All right, next game is the Pacers at the Bucks. So we still have Victor Oladipo out. He's not traveling with the Pacers on this road trip, so he's not going to play. The best play here is for the millionth time, probably going to be Miles Turner. He gets extra usage with Depot off the floor. And Milwaukee's one of the stronger defensive teams in the Eastern Conference. The one place where they really do struggle on defense is defending centers. They allow... Let's see, what is it? I know that they're among the worst at defending centers, just for fantasy point purposes. Off the top of my head, I think that they're, like, fifth. But I'll have to double-check that really quick. They are... Seventh, They allow the seventh most fantasy points to centers. So I think Miles Turner is the target here. Uh, Lance Stevenson's been really good, but his price has gone up. It's a tough matchup. He's probably going to be guarded by some kind of combination of Giannis and Chris Middleton. So I'm fine with not rostering him from the Milwaukee side of the game. Uh, I think Giannis is a fine guy to pay up for. And then I think Bledsoe and Middleton are fine in the mid-tier also.
1: Yeah, Giannis I think is the guy or one of the guys that's a better player better play than lebron for that price tier. It's a pace up game. It might be a little bit better of a matchup than usual because I don't know that Victor Oladipo would guard Giannis for the whole game, but he probably would guard Giannis for at least some of the game. Like I can't I can't really see who on the Pacers is able to match up with Giannis outside of I I mean Oladipo is a little small, but if it's Thaddeus Young guarding him, that's obviously a good matchup for Giannis. Who else do they even have because it seems like just The way the Pacers defend, they're good at the rim with Miles Turner, they're good on the wing with Oladipo, but they don't really have someone to defend a bigger forward.
0: Uh, Let's see. It would probably be Stevenson guarding him, just because he's their their biggest wing. I mean, nobody really has anybody who could guard Giannis. Giannis is a seven-footer who basically plays point guard, so there's nobody to really match up with Giannis, but it'll be Stevenson guarding him.
1: Yeah, that's uh, definitely better than having Oladipo guarding you, so That probably bumps Giannis a little bit. I think he's a good play anyway. And then Miles Turner, of course. Uh, I won't add anything there because I just agree with the Miles Turner pick as always.
0: All right. So next game is the Toronto Raptors at the Chicago Bulls. I really like Kyle Kyle Lowry as a play in this game. His price has gone down a little bit. The Bulls are worse against point guards than they are against shooting guards. And... DeMar DeRozan, $800 more expensive than Lowry. And also coming off that monster game, I think more people gravitate towards DeRozan than Lowry. So Lowry at the cheaper price. I think that he's the better play. Also, if you look at their uh, stats for the season, kind of about similar output. DeRozan averaging 40 fantasy points per game. Lowry, 38. So a little bit more points for DeRozan, but we consider that Lowry is $700 cheaper and in a little bit more favorable matchup. I like Lowry over DeRozan and I've said this before, I don't like to rush them together in GPPs. They have a negative correlation. Rarely do both of them have really big games on the same night unless they go into overtime like the last game. So I think Lowry is the play in this game. From the Bulls' side of the game, Chris Dunn at 6,900. He's just been so good every game, and I don't really think the matchup matters too much just because he scores a little bit, he gets assists, he gets rebounds, he gets steals, he gets blocks. So I'm good with him at 6,900. And the other thing to keep an eye on is that Miritich is questionable to play. He has, I think it was a back injury, so if he isn't able to play, I think Markinen comes in and play at 5,700, and then maybe Bobby Portis at 4,600, kind of depending. Well, I guess uh, Miritich comes off the bench anyway, so it would just be extra minutes for Markin and Portis.
1: Well, I think even though it seems like a bad matchup against the Raptors usually, and they are one of the best defensive teams in the league, it's kind of a fallacy that some DFS players seem to be falling into a lot of the time with Toronto's defense, because Even though they're a top 10 defense, they're also top 10 in terms of pace. So when they're on the road, the other team, you can probably call it a plus matchup because they get home court advantage and then the pace and the defense of Toronto kind of just cancel each other out. I would think it works that way. Um, And if you look at the betting line for this game, the total is at 217. It's not like the Raptors play in that many low scoring games. Uh, They just played a really high scoring game with Milwaukee, who is a slow team, even though it went to overtime. uh, The game was high scoring before overtime. So, I don't know. I usually don't think it's a bad idea to use guys against the Raptors, and that definitely just solidifies Chris Dunn as a play. I definitely agree with you on and if Miritich is out. Uh, But Dunn and Lowry, for sure, both strong plays from this game.
0: All right. Marching forward, what do we got? We got four games left here. The Warriors at Dallas. There is so much blowout risk in this game. The Warriors... Now that they have Steph Curry back, how many minutes did he play last game? Curry played, uh, let's see, he played 26 minutes. So I'm going to assume there's still some minimal restriction on Curry. Draymond Green is questionable play. Andre Iguodala is questionable. up truly is questionable. So it's kind of hard to make too much of a determination on the Warrior side of the game without knowing who's playing and what the minutes are going to be like for Curry. But overall, I think this is a game I probably don't want too much exposure just because of the potential blowout risk and from the dallas side of the game let's see what do we have dennis smith jr priced at still only 5600 for dennis smith jr i'm fine with rostering him at that price and then i think harrison barnes is maybe okay at 6400 just because we know he's going to play a lot of minutes but dennis smith even if the game gets a little bit out of hand he's still going to play around 30 minutes or so and he's just been really good over the last few games which I don't really think it's a total coincidence or like a fluke. They did a couple of good games. He was really good at the beginning of the season. Then he got hurt, came back, was restricted. And now that the restrictions off, he seems to have kind of worked the rust off from the injury. He's been playing really well. So I think that he's very likely to be more expensive than his current 5,600 price tag by the end of the season.
1: So I don't actually think there's a ton of blowout risk here. The Warriors are eight point favorites right now, but Draymond Green and Andre, Andre Guadalla are both questionable so even if both guys play, it would kind of make sense. They'd be a little worse than usual or limited in terms of minutes. But we don't know for sure that those guys will be in. So if both are out, uh, it's still a pretty tough matchup for Harrison Barnes against Kevin Durant. Actually, that is one of the hardest matchups in the NBA. Durant's been a great defender at least the past couple of years. Uh, but it also is a revenge game for Harrison Barnes. So maybe we have to take that into account. But No, we don't. Yeah, I guess we don't have to. But I, I, I agree with you on Dennis Smith for sure, and I think the Mavericks could keep this game close. Eight, an, a line of eight points is not that high, and it could drop some more uh, if those other Warriors guys are out. But also, Golden State point spreads are usually just pretty inflated by the public, so when the line's eight, the fair line is probably six or seven. Uh, the, the lines just usually give the Warriors too much credit, and even though Curry's back, I still think that's the case. So I like the Dallas guys a lot, actually. I think Barnes and Smith and even Wes Matthews are all pretty strong plays. Uh, Dirk, for a while, was way too cheap, but his price has come up a little bit. He's still maybe usable at 5100 but I think for a while there he was in the low 4000 So I don't know. I don't really like Dirk that much anymore. But um, if Draymond's out, do you think that Curry and Durant are more usable? Because it is a down-paced game, and Dallas' defense is decent, but... I think it could make sense to game stack here, and Curry and Durant are obviously really good fantasy producers, but 8900 for Curry, while it's not the same value as Chris Paul, it's still a pretty cheap price for him.
0: Yeah, I just don't think he's going to play full minutes. I think uh, we don't know what the exact number is, except since he only played 25 the first game, I'd say maybe he plays like 28 minutes or so, just guessing for now. So it's really hard for me to pay that price for somebody who's going to have a minutes restriction. Like It's not like Kawhi Leonard priced all the way down at 6700
1: Yeah, I guess if we do think that Curry's on a minutes restriction and then Draymond Green ends up being out, then Kevin Durant seems like a much better play than he would seem on the surface. Uh, Durant's also kind of struggled recently, at least in terms of fantasy production. He should be really low owned. And I know on this large of a slate, that's not that much of a factor. But for a game stack, I think you could definitely use Durant with some Mavericks guys.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, also, just kind of depending on what the you know, what the minister situation and, and if Draymond Green ends up playing at all or not. Because I, I think that if Green plays, then I'm, I'm probably not going to be on any of the Warriors guys just because I do think that elevates the blowout risk and then also obviously just less touches for the other guys.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the only way I would use any Warriors players is – Maybe it would take more than just Green being out. If Green and Iguodala are both out, though, then there's probably a lot of strong value on Golden State.
0: All right, so three games left to talk about. The Pelicans at the Jazz. I think DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, there's a lot of guys to pay up for on this slate, but I think they're both fine. Anthony Davis at 99, at uh, 9900 I think just seeing him at 10000 seems really egregious to me. Uh, there's so much upside in him at that price. We've said it before. The Jazz, they're still going to play down pace without Gobert. But it's nowhere near the same defense. And then also, they just have nobody to match up with, uh, with Davis and Cousins without Gobert there. Their front court is Derek Favors is going to start. They've been starting Thabo Cephalosha recently. I would assume that they don't start him this game just because you can't really start Thabo Cephalosha power forward against Anthony Davis. It wouldn't make any sense. So we don't really know what the lineup will look like. It's, it's possible that they go back to Ekpe Udo at center and start uh, Udo with favors. I think that's what they did. Yeah, that's what they did the last time that they played the Hornets without um, without Gobert is they started Udo at center and he played like 20 or so minutes. So I, I don't think that he's a strong play because he's at 3,500 and it's still a tough matchup and he's probably not going to play more than, say, 20 minutes. But I, I think that I don't. Know. I, I just don't really like a lot of guys on the Utah side of this game.
1: Well, I think Joe Ingles and Rodney Hood and Donovan Mitchell could all be fine plays, but yeah, there's not too much reason to reach. Uh, the real best plays here are definitely Davis and Cousins. I think they're both really strong guys to pay up for. They're probably they probably are the two best expensive players to use, unless you consider Chris Paul in that expensive tier. But I think Davis and Cousins are both really strong plays, and yeah, the the big uh, issue with The Jazz, without Gobert, is that they just can't play as good of defense. The pace doesn't seem to have changed. I think we both kind of thought it would change. They would play more small ball lineups and play faster after Gobert got hurt. That doesn't seem to be the case, but they are worse at defending at the rim. So that obviously favors Davis and uh, Cousins a lot.
0: Yeah, I think uh, hopefully we get a Utah starting lineup before the game starts, just so we kind of know where they're leaning or what it looks like. Uh, But that might not be the case since it's a late game. Next game we have here is the Suns at the Denver Nuggets. This is another game that has a pretty substantial amount of blowout risk. The Suns are, one, not good, two, playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. So for them, I think that Greg Monroe is going to be a really strong play. It's his turn to start. Generally what they've done in back-to-back situations this year, or at least since they got Monroe, is Chandler starts the first end with Len coming off the bench, then the second game, Chandler gets rested, Greg Monroe starts. So him at 4,500, really strong play. As a starter, he is averaging 27 fantasy points per game. So at that kind of production of 4,500, I think it's fine. And also, there's a ton of upside Monroe. We've seen him have 40 fantasy point games, and sometimes he gets more minutes. So he's a really strong play. And then I think Devin Booker and TJ Warren, I think that they're kind of like peripheral plays, but they make sense. From the Nuggets side of the game, let's see, what is Jokic price that now? Because he's been just ridiculously cheap lately. He's up to 9000 now, so just kind of a fair price for him. The best play here, I think, is Trey Lyles at 5100 So Lyles, if you look at his last handful of games, 31 fantasy points, 41, 29, 26, 25, then 18, but 29 to 40. He's just been really consistent playing a lot more minutes. So at 5100 as long as his role is what it's been, he's, he's a good play at that
1: price. Yeah, Lyles and Monroe definitely seem like two of the stronger values on the slate. Um, Nikola Jokic I think is a pretty good value, but there are so many guys priced around him that are probably better plays, so I think I would be light on Jokic for this game. But it also, it's also probably true that the Suns are worse at defending centers in the games where Monroe starts compared to Chandler. Um, I don't have their defensive numbers in front of me, but just based on the way those guys play, Chandler is more of a defensive rebounding guy. Monroe is more of an offense oriented player. So I don't know. Would you think that the sun's lineup construction or I guess game flow is significantly different based on which of those guys plays? Uh,
0: no, not really. I mean, the sun's played a ridiculously fast pace anyway, so I don't think it'll matter too much.
1: Yeah. I guess game stacking here is probably hard anyway because the players are pretty expensive. And um, I think everyone's kind of fringy, but Lyles and Monroe, regardless of how you think this game plays out, are both just too cheap for the kind of production that they've been putting up recently.
0: All right. The final game on the slate, and this is the one that makes the game really tricky, the uh, the slate really tricky, is because the Thunder playing at the Lakers, so from the Thunder side of the game, um, I think Westbrook and Paul George are fine. There's nobody else who ever really want a roster from the Thunder. But for the Lakers... Lonzo Ball is questionable, Kyle Kuzma is questionable, so um, there was one other, uh, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and Brook Lopez are all questionable, so there could potentially be a ton of value in the Lakers frontcourt, just with it being the last game on the slate, it's very unlikely that we'll know who's going to start or not start, but just so we can run through what the potential value is, if Lonzo Ball is out, then Ennis probably starts, but this is a tough matchup. I probably wouldn't want to roster Ennis here anyway. But in the front court, if Kuzma and Lopez are both out, then Randall and Nance are both gonna have to play a ton of minutes, and they're both really good values. Just the question is, are they gonna start? Are they not gonna start? And is that something you're willing to take a risk on? And I think on a slate this big, if we don't know heading into lock, I'd prefer to not take that risk.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And even if Nance and Randall both play a lot of minutes, it's not a great matchup against the Thunder. So they'd be value plays, but I don't even know if that would make them stronger values than guys like Monroe and Lyles and some of the other mid-priced players that we mentioned. I think I'd rather use Jonathan Simmons at 5500 than Julius Randle, even if Brooke Lopez is out. So I don't know, I don't know if this is worth looking into at all, just because the Thunder are a good defensive team, and we, we almost definitely will not have clarity here because the game is the last game of the night, three and a half hours after Locke. I think it's probably best to just fade it, and I think you can probably fade the Thunder side too. Uh, there, there are better guys to pay up for than Westbrook, who's at 11700 I know he's been really good lately, but that's just more expensive than other guys with similar expected production. So I've, I think I'm just off this game entirely.
0: Okay, so that'll wrap up the podcast. You could follow me on Twitter at GarenbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense, and we'll be back tomorrow.